Welcome to Gapology Radio Podcast with authors Mark Tinas and Brian Brockhoff. We can be reached at gapology.org and our books can be found at amazon.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Gapology Radio Podcast. This is your host Brian Brockhoff. Each week we give Mark Tinas a call and talk about Gapology, Imbar, and more. Let's give Mark a call and see what he's been up to. Hey Brian. Hey Mark, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing well. It's a beautiful fall day. The leaves are starting to change here in Kansas City. How's it out there? It's uh, in the 70s, but cloudy. Oh, okay. So no surfing today? No surfing today. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that even came from. Um, so uh, so what are you thinking this week? What do you want to cover? Well, I want to come back to uh, accountability and... Um, really talk about what we learn in Gapology. I think it's a great lesson for everybody to hear uh, once again, and I think it's a great gut check for leaders out there to ask themselves if the things that we learn from the winning leaders as it relates to accountability are are part of their toolbox. So I really wanted to revisit that. Yeah, sounds good. I think a lot of people really struggle with this part, so yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, we ready? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so I would call this the the four ways to create accountability. And it wasn't it wasn't things that you know Brian and I came up with. We learned these from winning leaders. Uh, so any of you that are not familiar with Gapology, Gapology is a book that we wrote, and it it, it was a study of winning leaders basically. And one of the key characteristics of winning leaders was that they they create accountability within their teams. And when, when we talk about winning leaders, we really are talking about the group that was in the upper 10% of results, so the outliers. Uh, so they create accountability. So what I would ask you to do is really self-examine as we go through the four things that we learn from them and uh, ask yourself, you know, is that part of, part of my toolbox? Is that something that I do? Is that something that I'm very proficient at? And just, just take a look at it because when you when you re-examine or self-examine and, and you look back, um, these things do work. Uh, they are uh, really fundamental, and they're a bit old school, though. And I, I don't see them in a lot of leaders today. So um, I, I feel it's significant uh, to just take a look and and just ask yourself, you know, is that is that part of my leadership? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So there's four of them. So if you, any of you that are writing them down, um, if you're driving, don't don't be writing them down. But um, we're going to just walk through the four the four ways that the winning leaders create accountability. And uh, the first one is is a big one, and it's that they set expectations. So we measured their teams exhaustively. So we handed an index card to the team members of the winning leaders and we asked them to write down what was expected of them and then we matched that up with an index card from the leader who wrote down what he expects he or she expects of them and we matched them up and there was an 87 percent match rate um, of the the winning leaders to their team in terms of what the expectations were and that was off the charts that compared with a 14% match rate when we looked at the bottom 10% of performers. So the top performers teams were clear 
on what the expectations were and the bottom performers teams were not. So it's very clear that setting expectations is a, is a big deal. So um, the other thing we know about setting expectations is it sort of automatically creates accountability. Uh, I expect this, this, and this of you. And um, that in and of itself just begins to create accountability right there. And the other thing that it does is it closes importance gaps so the team knows what's important and it closes accountability gaps or action gaps uh, because the team knows what to take action on. So it, it moves down the continuum of gapology pretty, pretty substantially just by doing this one thing well, setting expectations. And if you want to gut check yourself on this, just do the exercise with the index card. Hand it to your team, ask them what you expect of them, and then you know compare that with, with your own notes and see how they match up. So setting expectations is number one. Brian, uh, want to speak to that? Yeah, Mark, uh, can you just quickly cover what the uh, two components of setting clear expectations is? Yeah, so there's, there's, there's two pieces of expectations. So they would be not only a metric or a result component, but also a behavioral component. So leaders that were winning big had identified the behaviors that the team needed to have to drive the metric. So they had to have both. And we found a gap when, when both of those were not uh, in, in place or one of the two was not in place. It's easy for a leader to say, I expect you to achieve 10% growth this year. It's a whole nother thing to tie the behaviors that equal 10% growth with that. Uh, thoughts or comments, Brian? Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. I think, you know, you cannot really legitimately hold people accountable without this step. If, if you're not providing the expectations around what behavior you're expecting from your team and what result you expect from them, I don't think you can really legitimately hold them accountable. It ha they have to be clear. They have to be really, uh, you have to validate understanding of those. Um, I think a lot of leaders really struggle here. No, that's a great point. The other thing that we found from the winning leaders here was that they had tested out the behaviors. So they knew what metrics the behaviors created so that when they saw the number, the metric, they knew whether the behaviors were in place or not. So you need to experiment with the behaviors and make sure that they match up with your, your metric expectations, your result expectations. Uh, so that's a big one. Uh, so, so the second thing that the winning leaders do is they follow up. And I think follow up is somewhat of a lost art today. The, it's interesting when you, when you talk to them about follow up is that they would, they would follow up in a timely manner. So we've agreed to something. Um, and Brian, can we talk about that on Friday at two o'clock? Let's come back to it and uh, let, let's examine this once again. So they were very specific and very timely in their, in their follow-up. And that in and of itself creates accountability. The other thing that follow-up does, which is magical, is it creates a coaching conversation. So it opens the door to have a conversation around performance and around the tactics that, that will get us to that, to that result. Uh, so this might include a, a calendar invite, for example, 
Yeah, so let's let's go ahead and set a calendar invite for Friday at two o'clock. Let's come back to this. So let's say that conversation is happening on Monday. You have just shifted the behavior potentially for the entire week from Monday until Friday because you've set a follow-up date. The result expectation that you set, the behavior expectation that you set, just don't you know disappear into a black hole. We're going to talk about them again on Friday. So follow-up is key. And uh, all of the winning leaders had follow-up on, on their list of ways to create accountability. Uh, Brian? Yeah, you know, it's amazing when you look somebody in the eye and say, so how did it go this week? Let's walk through all the things that you did um, or get their ear, you know, if you're doing it virtually. Um, you know, the biggest thing that it does, I think, it establishes trust. So if you say you're going to follow up and you don't, there goes the trust. And I think underperformers see this as well as winning performers as well. I think they both see this. If you're a leader who doesn't follow up, they will notice. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think the calendar invite is key. Yeah. It puts it in the schedule. Yep. You know, it might only be a 15-minute conversation, but it's in the calendar. We're going to talk about it Friday at 2. So it's a big deal. That's a good point. Um, so the third uh, way to create accountability that we learned from the winning leaders was keeping score. The winning leaders definitely were keeping score. Uh, this, there's more to this one than it may sound. So not only did they have metrics that equaled the expectation and behaviors, you know, that would equal, equal the metric, but they published and they ranked the numbers. So they kept score. You know, you think about uh, tonight, the World Series is starting here shortly on the day that we're recording. Um, all professional sporting events have a scoreboard. And those scoreboards create accountability for the team. They keep the, the fans informed and the team informed of, of how they're doing. The winning leaders were, were very good at keeping score, at publishing, ranking, uh, and uh, keeping, keeping the metrics out there uh, that had been um, agreed to, that were part of those expectations. Again, closes importance gaps. The team knows what matters closes action gaps, it creates action in the team. And for most of the people on the team, it's a very motivating thing. It fires them up. People you and I've worked with, Brian, and the winning leaders certainly fall into the category of people that are motivated by by results and by winning. So keeping score is key. So leaders that don't publish results make them unimportant. And they take the fun maybe out of you know out of out of the work. So keeping score as simple as it may sound, was a key tactic of, uh, of the winning leaders. Uh, Brian? Yeah, and I think it makes conversations easier. It, it gives you something to really start with. So you look at how they're doing, and then you can trace that back to behaviors. It's really the evidence of the behaviors that are happening or not happening. Um, and I think with, with the winning leaders especially, it creates self-accountability. So, you know, a lot of times leaders can't be in all places at, at all times. And so in all those in-between moments, it helps to create that self-accountability for those leaders. Yeah, yeah. You know, the other thing that it did for me when in, in my career is I would pick up the phone and call the leaders that were beating me in a given result. <laughs> yeah. And say, hey, how are you doing this? You know, <laughs> congratulations. 
how are you doing it? Yeah. And I will tell you, in every case, they were willing to share. And they were willing to tell me what they were doing. And uh, that, helped, that helped me improve my numbers. So when you publish the numbers, you know what's going on. You know who to call. And sometimes, the, you know, the people with the best numbers will call, the, call those that don't have them and say, hey, step it up. Here's what you need to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great if they did that. It creates it. It, it can create teamwork and it create can create sharing. Uh, the other the other tactic that we saw was mentoring going on that was created by the leader, where the leader would take the top numbers producers and have them mentored up with those that weren't producing. Um, so the last one is um, transferring ownership. The winning leaders transferred ownership for the results, for the expectations to the team. They handed it off. So this closes knowledge gap and importance gaps. All right, Brian, so you've got it now. It's been given to you. You know what's expected. You know how to do it. You know when it must be done. So all of the components of gapology are in place. The gaps are closed. Now it's up to you to perform. So they literally transferred transferred ownership. And when your team is clear on the expectations, when they are clear on the behaviors that equal the numbers, uh, it, it is empowering and it does allow me now to take that and, and run with it. So the winning leaders were very clear that they had transferred ownership of the number and of the expectations to the team. Brian? Yeah, you know, in the book, we talk about uh, a football team. So the quarterback, once they hand that football to the running back, they've transferred ownership of that football. Now, at this point, other than maybe throwing a block, there's nothing really they can do about it. Now it's that running back's responsibility. And I think a lot of times leaders, especially those who are really inexperienced, they they have this temptation to own other people's responsibility. So they'll hand that ball over, but then they'll continue to try to own that, that responsibility. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, one of the key conversations would be, you know, hey, have you got it? Are you willing to take this on? Have you got it? Is it yours now? Are you clear on what I expect? Are you clear on how to achieve it? I think the handoff of the football is a great example because you've practiced that play over and over again, but now we're in the game. It's game time. This is for real. And you've got to run with the ball. That's a great point. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's funny. Um, As you're explaining that, I was thinking, you know, if, it was, if you're the quarterback, sometimes it's easier just to hold on to the ball and run. Because instead of handing it and, you, you know, you might fumble or you might throw it and you, the person might miss it or you might throw an interception. Sometimes it's easier to hold on to it, but it's not more effective. By handing the ball to somebody who's skilled at being a running back or throwing it to, to a receiver who's skilled at being a receiver, you can get a lot more yards than if you hold it yourself. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, the quarterback is rarely the one who's best to run with the ball. <laughs> yeah. Not their role. So um, I would leave you with this. So the, the winning leaders create accountability. They create accountability. We didn't come up with that. They told us that. When we asked them, why are you winning? Why are you in the top 10%? Why are you consistently in this group? They create accountability. And they do it in four ways. They set expectations. They follow up on those expectations. They keep score, publish those numbers, and keep them out in front of everybody. And they transfer ownership to the team. 
And those, you know, are the ingredients that equal that, uh, that top 10%. So if you want to be in that top 10%, that outlier group, you've got to create accountability. And to the best of our knowledge, these are the top four ways to do it. And uh, we know they work. So that's all I've got, Brian. Any closing thoughts? All right. Nope. Um, that sounds good. I think that's an excellent way to close it, Mark. Nice job. All right. Thanks. Have a great week. Yep. You too. We'll talk to you later. All right. That'll do it from here for another week. As your organization starts looking at leadership development programs for 2019, consider Gapology. It's well worth the investment. Just reach out to us at contact at gapology.org for more information. Everyone have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. This has been a Gapology production. Visit us at gapology.org.